I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Mia Baytop-Russell, PhD, author of Fired Up, a guide to transforming your team from burnout to engagement. Following the transition to virtual and hybrid work structures during the pandemic, many employees are stressed, disengaged, and ultimately burned out, and they feel that their employers are making no effort to help. Leadership and management lecturers at Johns Hopkins University, Ms. Mia Baytop-Russell, PhD, and co-author Gervin Liggins, PhD, teach business leaders how to facilitate a workplace environment that, instead of causing burnout, cultivates energy, enthusiasm, and participation. Dr. Russell offers a framework and a of interconnected principles that can help you build a positive and effective work environment. Uh, inspired by stories and antidotes and strategies included in the book, you, you'll find support and tools for creating an environment that fosters engagement for your team. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Mia. Oh, hi, Catherine. It's nice to be here. All right, so we're going to be talking about uh, instead of being disengaged, we want to engage people, prevent burnout. This is what your work is all about. So you're culti- as I said in the intro, in, inter, uh, in the beginning in the intro, you cultivate energy, enthusiasm, and participation. So how do you do that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, good place to start. I, we often uh, think about burnout, and uh, perhaps we can come back to that, but. Uh, the same factors that foster burnout also foster um, engagement. And so when we think about the workplace and how people kind of show up in the workplace, uh, there are three elements, um, energy, involvement, and efficacy. So when we think about energy, uh, people bring their energy, right? They're bringing themselves to work, and they can either be full of vigor or they can be exhausted, right? Things in the work environment might fuel them or might drain them. And uh, I'm thinking about involvement. That can turn to dedication, right? Dedication about your work, for your work. Um, perhaps you find purpose and meaning in what you're doing and the people that you're uh, working with. Uh, inversely, right, if we think about cynicism, that is a downward spiral to burnout. And then finally, uh, efficacy, and this has to do with ab- absorption, right, and how proud we are of our accomplishments. Do we uh, actually see that what we're doing is making a difference? Um, our, we can be so dedicated and full of vigor that we can be totally absorbed in our work, and it's hard to detach. In some ways, again, that's good, but there is, there is also a, a shadow, uh, a strength to that absorption, um, which can lead to burnout. So when we think about the workplace, we often think about these three areas, energy, involvement, and efficacy, and how leaders and managers can uh, activate levers within the organization that can support engagement or, uh, on the other side, uh, foster burnout. What about the context of all of this? And I think I mentioned this in the beginning, but uh, you're talking the context of the energy and the involvement and the efficacy Mm -hmm. going from being you know, during the pandemic, being isolated and insulated and not being in the workplace specifically. And then now this hybrid work structure, how does that work? Does that seem to work better or does it create a better 
or has the potential, I should say, to create a better situation where there isn't burnout. It's a new situation, you know, as you've said, but um, how do you navigate that? So it becomes even, which obviously is what your book is about. So talk to us about that. Sure. Well, let me start with, uh, regardless of discipline, industry, uh, role, or country, burnout is prevalent, and it's been prevalent pre-pandemic. We know that the pandemic amplified uh, levels of burnout globally, right? So one of the things that I think is important to recognize is this could be industry and discipline specific because we know that burnout increases when people work more hours, right? So uh, the research shows that if you work 50 or more hours a week, uh, you're more likely to experience burnout. During the pandemic, especially early on, people were uh, working more, right? They weren't actually detaching from work. Having uh, the remote work wasn't as, uh, I guess, healthy, right? It might have been productive for employers, but maybe not as healthy for employees. So now I think what we're seeing are shifts in uh, what leadership and organizations are expecting, as well as employee voice uh, uh, or employees gaining more voice and saying what they are and are not willing to do. Uh, this idea of creating boundaries, even when you are remote or hybrid, is really important. Um, and so I, I think that this has a lot to do with um, industries, uh, roles, and maybe even uh, perceptions and expectations of organizations. How does... Um connectedness, you know, that personal connectedness with somebody. You're talking about burnout. You could be at home, mm-hmm. maybe working yourself into a, a frenzy, literally uh, getting the work done, but but in such a way that it, you know, it creates burnout. So when you get, mm-hmm. what does it do for you when you are actually in the workplace? Let's say in a hybrid situation, like getting support from maybe a fellow worker or a boss or a mentor. Um, it would seem to me that would fit into preventing or help mitigating burnout? Yes, certainly. Um, And we like to say that burnout um, um, and also engagement are both contagious, right? And so these emotions that we have, these feelings of overwhelm or these feelings of joy and purpose and autonomy, they can be contagious. Uh, We do know that having a friend at work, having social support, colleague support, supervisory support, those, uh, all of those kind of uh, er different areas or layers of support build resources. And so we talk a lot about job demands and job resources. Job demands are always going to be there. Um, In the context of burnout, um, we paint this picture of a stovetop pressure cooker, right, where the demands are the heat, the, uh, we as employees are the food, the capacity in the pressure cooker is the work environment, and the valve are your job resources. And so if we can modify that valve, we can release some of the pressure. Um, likewise, in a work environment, uh, there will always be job demands, but if we can buffer or if we can increase job resources, even in times where there is limited stress, uh, the the employees, kind of the entire work environment, um, has a reduced level of pressure and so that it can work better. 
And so one of those things, and when we think about employee, I mean, uh, job resources, is organizational support. If uh, uh, it's often been said that employees don't uh, leave a job, they leave a manager, right? So supervisors and managers, the way that they interact, having high quality, psychologically safe, trusting relationships are all very important. Um, and as I started, even having really a friend or people you can count on at work, those are things that help to uh, buffer the demands, the everyday demands of work. So we do need well-trained managers. That was going to be my next question. You already answered it. But, yeah, that's key. That's that's critical. Are there companies that are better, I don't know if I would say organized or do better at preventing burnout? I don't know if there are statistics or are there companies that there's a lot of burnout? Well, I I can tell you the industries with the highest level of burnout, um, that's hotel and food services, hospitality, manufacturing, medical and healthcare, especially during the pandemic. We know that that has probably increased education and construction. But again, um, it's really, there's no one that's immune from burnout. In fact, in 2019, the World Health Organization uh, characterized or classified burnout as a workplace phenomenon and also said that one out of every four employees was facing burnout. So I think the first part of your statement and or question is really important around well-trained empl- uh, managers. And, uh, you know, we offer tools and frameworks in our book uh, to help people really assess uh, factors within the work, work environment that are fostering burnout so that they can be addressed. Uh, We help people to acknowledge what's happening both internally and and externally, and then give them tons of strategies that uh, fall in those kind of the the 20 big areas that uh, um, burnout risks, right? But we also talk about managers should be burnout risk managers. And um, we often talk about risk at work and how we want to protect against it. Um, it's probably safe to say in uh, our current days um, or current time today that everyone should be trained to be a burnout risk manager because we should all be thinking about how our decisions or policies, practices are impacting employees, especially given um, all the talk of the great resignation, great attrition, and quiet quitting. Um, We can design workplaces and um, teams that – uh, have, uh, you know, helpful activities and practices that create, um, you know, all these positive outcomes we want to see. Everybody wants to see a team, uh, a group of people working together seamlessly with zest and zeal, you know, what we are terming fired up. And um, we also know that this is, uh, it's a business imperative because Burnout costs organizations kind of upwards of $300 billion a year and um, can be attributed to 20 to 50% of turnover. So Mia, what if, I just about, want to interrupt you there because that's, that's a, a good, uh, an, an excellent point, I guess, about, you know, it costs billions of dollars to companies when, when uh, employees leave. What happens, now the other side of that, what happens to employees after they've suffered from burnout? What's the fallout from burnout for employees, where do they go next? How does that work? Yeah, so say, so ask, ask me that in a different way because I, I'm – what do you mean? I mean, like, let's say you have all these employees. You have a, a 
you're, you have your company, you have a lot of burnout, you have a lot of these employees who get, I just meant, and, and they, they burn out, can't do the job anymore. I'm just thinking about our employee population. Where do they go from mm-hmm. there? I mean, what is, okay. what happens to them and their families and do they get another job or, um, you know, once they burn out from one company, is it a pattern that they develop or, or what can, or what does happen? All right. So thank you. That, that's helpful because there are lots of things where um, to go from that direction, really. So when we know, we know what we know about burnout is that it does have negative physical effects, right? Um, people that are more likely to experience burnout and work at least 60 hours a week or more are more likely to have a stroke, right? We can talk about some of the physiological um, challenges for employees, Um there are a ton, and none of them are good, right? Um, the idea that uh, there is a burnout pattern, though, I'd like to start there. Uh, what, what we know is that um, creating boundaries, identifying you know, personal self-care strategies, and um, aligning yourself, kind of redefining your purpose and your relationship with work, uh, these three things can help. Uh, of, of, I guess, avert um, burnout for employees. We didn't do a lot of work. There's a ton of literature, uh, popular press that talks about how you can individually overcome burnout. Uh, we spend one chapter talking about that because there, there is a lot of that. Um, but we um, kind of want to push back on this idea that burnout is the employee's fault and or responsibility. Because so much about how we work, right, the job, the organization, uh, the roles, the tasks, they are all managed by someone else. And so uh, our assertion is that managers, leaders, and organizations need to be, uh, uh, they have the privilege of running these organizations and teams. We want them also to take the responsibility of making it positive where people can thrive and flourish. Does that does that make sense to you? Yeah. So the the employee yeah. the employers have to be sensitive to the individual who is their employee, but that the employee also has to take personal responsibility for themselves. The, the three things that you mentioned: creating yeah. boundaries, self care, and redefining their relationship with their job. So it's a two way street. It works both ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it seems to me that's critical. Now you're you teach at Hopkins. So you're teaching, yes. you're an ed- educator uh, at one of the most prestigious universities in the country. Um, there is, I guess, uh, do they have a special way or a, a way of avoiding burnout at that university? Because you'd also mentioned that that's one of the industries just in general that have high burnout rates. Yeah, so I wouldn't say my, my research has <laughs> wasn't uh primarily conducted within the uh, higher ed, but um, there are um, high levels of burnout we see from uh, child care and out-of-school type uh, early childhood educators through college, certainly, and graduate programs. Um, what we, I, I can speak for, you know, some of the programs that I've seen at uh, Johns Hopkins, they do a great job with um, our employee assistance programs and um, all types of uh, workshops. Um, you've got to make time for them, of course. Uh, many of them are recorded. Um, that 
help to do that that part that you mentioned around the employee taking the self uh, some of the, their responsibility right how do you create boundaries um, uh, st- you know um, self uh, like stress workshops those types of things i um what we what we know about burnout though is um, regardless of industry uh, there are challenges within the um, work environment that um, people need, kind of people have to address. Um, And so one way to do that is through things like workshops, seminars. Um, We do have some of those at Johns Hopkins. So the company, whatever it is, whether Mm -hmm. it's a medical facility or university or whatever industry has to provide those kinds of services that you've just talked about. And then it's up to the employee to take advantage of those services. You have to make time. You have that. That's really kind of boundaries, which, you know, in self-care, you have to make sure that you have time to go to those programs or seminars that they offer to help you know, mitigate the stress. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that is obviously I would assume that that's, that's critical for whatever industry you're, you're in. Um yeah, but, you know, if I can uh, talk to that for quickly, you know, I, yeah. I was also looking uh the employee assistance program professionals, you know, many organizations offer EAPs. I noticed that at their national conference, they were talking about burnout. So if you think about, and and I think from a personal perspective, so they are trying to help others um, and facing some of the same challenges. When uh, burnout was first conceptualized in 1974, it was really about um, people in helping professions feeling emotionally drained, right? So if we think about some of the challenges, I think um, many of those people, for example, social work, right? Uh, In social work, we see a lot of burnout. So I just, when you mentioned, when we mentioned the EAP, I just thought I should also share that because they're facing it as well. Yeah, that's employee assistant programs for those who don't know the acronym yeah EAP program so they need help too so whatever social workers need help well I always say if you're mm-hmm. a social worker I'm a social worker so you, you shouldn't be doing social work unless you too have been in counseling and have you know have some insight into how your your emotional state I think that's critical and, and EAP and all of those things I mean I interview a lot of doctors who suffer from burnout uh, on my show um, mm-hmm. you know not just during the pandemic but way before the pandemic. Um, so, you know, that's a real issue, as, as you've said, in the medical profession. So where do we go from here? <laughs> Burnout is here, to, is all what you say. It's always existed. Um, it's here to stay. We, we have to read your book. Uh, but um, what else can we do? I mean, uh, for those of us who are maybe not in the business specifically, not in the company, not in the industry, uh, at home, families, because, you know, people work, but they work in the context that they're families. And so is there a way for families to, to help that the person or persons who are working in their families don't suffer from burnout or to be able to recognize it, I guess, before it really gets really bad? Yeah, I I definitely think awareness is, um, important. Um, that this framework that we offer around assessment, acknowledgement, and action, can it be applied anywhere? So whether we are talking about a, uh, you know, someone that has a team or uh, someone that has caregiving responsibility 
or someone that is just thinking about others, right? I think if we can assess the the helpers and hindrances in our life, whatever that looks like, we all know that there are some things that are uh, uh, kind of contributing to our success, contributing to our energy. Um, We're excited when we do that thing. Um, And um, we have fun, right? If those, those are the types of things that we want to keep doing, and those things that can be draining, um, maybe there are even relationships that can be draining. I think we need to think about them. Um, you may not, certainly life, we're always going to have demands. Um, but the more we can fill our lives with those things that positively contribute to us, again, just like that pressure, that stovetop pressure cooker, it helps to reduce the pressure when uh, uh, some significant stressors hit us. Have you found that, I just want to ask you, have you found that women are more susceptible to burnout given the responsibilities? You know, I know there's a lot of research in in families where both partners work, um, and but if it's a male-female partner situation, then the woman not only has all these responsibilities for work, but also seems to have more responsibility for the children and the household and those kinds of things. Yeah, recent research definitely confirms that women, uh, uh, I guess, uh, bear the brunt of burnout. Uh, I think I want to say Gallup, uh, 2022 Gallup study, uh, Gallup poll showed Two-thirds, there was kind of a, women were two-thirds more likely to experience burnout than men, and for many of those reasons that you definitely referenced. So is there a way that we can, can you solve this problem in the next two minutes? (laughs) (laughs) This is the challenge, see if you can do this. (laughs) Yeah, I think the, um, you know, really going back to this assessment, what's working, what isn't, and what should I be on, what should be, I should be aware of, so if it, uh, if it starts to become a problem, I can attack it, right? Um, also, that acknowledgement, uh, truly having um, a sense of what we can control, uh, understanding what our span of control is, is is helpful. Um, actually, loss of control ranks up there pretty high as, as as one of the reasons or predictors for burnout. So acknowledging what we have control over and not, honestly, I have found it useful to put things on my mind on post-it notes and move them around in really like a Venn diagram um, because I wanted to visualize what I actually had control over and not. And then when we know that there are things that are working, we have to find, be creative and find other ways to get more of that. And we can, we need to create strategies where we can eliminate or reduce some of those hindrances in our life. So I think this framework works in any context. I know I that might also, not be two minutes, but I hope that works. No, that's all right. <laughs> but I, I think that's true. And I think that what we can control and what we can't control, we have to be aware of. And I'll just add one more piece to that. And then I want you to give us more information about your work and what you do, websites to go to. But I think letting, and maybe this re- relates to women that um, they may have difficulty relinquishing some of the control because they there's a certain responsibility they may feel. They go to work and then they don't want to actually relinquish all the control that they see or feel that they have with children, with you know, with family, with all of those kinds of things. So letting go is, I think, another piece to what you've been saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, expectations, especially of ourselves. It's something yeah. else, isn't it? Yes. 
Yeah, it definitely is. Okay, a couple minutes left. Give us a website, websites we can go to for more information about your work and about the book. Sure. So um, you can connect with me. Your listeners can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm Mia B. Russell. And uh, we also have a website, thinkfiredup.com. So T-H-I-N-K-F-I-R-E-D-U-P, thinkfiredup.com. And I am really, I, I really appreciate the opportunity for be, for, to be here with you, Catherine. Yeah, this was great. Thank you so much for all the, the good information. And we'll uh, get hooked up with your, um, your, your websites. And, and good luck with the work. Very important work. And uh, Mia Baytop Russell, PhD, that's who we have been talking to. Her book is Fired Up, A Guide to Transforming Your Team from Burnout to Engagement. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 